Gig Gab, episode 359, the show for working musicians for Monday, October 3rd, 2022. <music> Greetings, folks, and welcome to Gig Gab, the show, as I said, by, for, and about working musicians here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Napomo, California, Paul Kent. Fall is in the air here in New England, Paul. Are you getting fall in the air out in California? Indian summer out here, man. Ah, okay. Are we allowed to use that term anymore? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> Commander summer. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's just, it's it's a return of summer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we we had that last week here, and now it's like it was chilly this morning. It was like forty or something. So yeah, no, it's beautiful here. My uh, my gig on Friday night was thankfully moved indoors. From uh, I was supposed to play at that that Big Dipper place where I played a couple of weeks ago last minute with Matt Langley, and uh, we had a Monkey Fist gig booked the same place for Friday night, and they moved it indoors to Old Rail Pizza, which is a place. We've played many, many, many times before. I'm sure I've talked about it on the show. It was our first time back there since March 6th of 2020, which was, yeah, we all, it was on the way to that gig that I got the word that South by Southwest was canceled because of, of COVID-19. Uh, and we all, as we were kind of like having dinner and, you know, hanging out before we played, we were all saying, this might be it for a little while. Little did we know, <laughs> um, but it was nice to get back in there. And um, that's, you know, it's it, monkey fist is especially with Matt Langley on guitars. It's an interesting thing. He's a human jukebox and we just wind up playing. There is no set list. Uh, it's whatever we and or the crowd decides. We did have one guy that just kept requesting like. All these really like he was requesting, you know, Genesis and Zappa and, you know, just being like kind of a dick about it, to be perfectly honest. And and then wasn't even paying attention when we would play. We didn't play Genesis or Zappa, but we did play like Ario Speedwagon for by request, which is a bad idea. And as was Journey uh, and probably several other things. And at one point, you know, he we would start the song and he would turn around like and and just talk to his friends or whatever and then we'd finish the song and he immediately started shouting out new band names and by this point matt uh had sort of noticed the pattern and he said no 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 wait wait first you applaud then we play the next song <laughs> it was brilliant i loved it i loved it it was perfect he put the guy right where he needed to be it put it put the rest of the crowd at ease that we were seeing what they were seeing, I think, was was one of those things you kind of, you know, and, the, and it wasn't it wasn't snarky. It was he said it with, you know, all the charisma that Matt Langley has. And it was totally fine. But it was it was an interesting thing. It was good. <laughs> I don't know. I liked it. So it was a fun, <laughs> fun. Gig. It was a fun gig, though. Uh, uh, you know, the three part harmonies. I. We had some there, as always with a monkey fist, there are some raggedy moments and and certainly, you know, playing. We didn't just play any journey. For some reason, John, uh, Johnny D decided we should do Stone in Love, which was like, oh, my gosh, like, dude, that's a journey song where everybody has to sing high, not just one guy. Yeah. It, you know, it's just, it was like, of all the just a freaking mess. I got to tell you, journey is just, <laughs> it is covered off and, you know, but that guy, you know, Stephen Perry's a, a Freaking nature, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. the effortlessness, the operatic effortlessness. And, you know, it, it, when you hear women do it, you know, they can hit the notes, but it often doesn't quite have the same. It, it doesn't have. Lilt. No, it, well, it's it doesn't have. Yeah. It, they're not they, like someone for whom that's not like the absolute top of their range is just singing as opposed to, you know, there, there's a different thing when you're when you're pushing to be at the top of your range. And I mean, Steve Perry was rarely at the, he was rarely past the top of his range. I don't think we've ever heard him past the top of his no, range. Never but, straining. Right. Never straining, but he was, I mean, it was, it was near the top. So he was pushing and, and, um, in a healthy way, I, I would think, but, uh, but it's different than when, you know, you're singing just kind of in the middle of your range and it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. It's relaxed and all that, you know, Paul, Paul Rogers kind of has the same sort of thing, right? Where it, 
you know, he sings way at the top of his range. And it would be different if, uh, you know, if, if a woman or someone with a super high range just sang those tunes and be like, oh, yeah, okay, you're hitting the notes. Sounds great. But there's no edge. Um, so grit. there's no grit. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That happens a lot. I mean, there's a lot of cover bands that are woman fronted that are singing, you know, they're playing predominantly male sung songs. Yeah. And they get, they get it done often. And this is not to say that all women don't have grit, but I, I, mean, oh, I mean, often the choice is, is, is if, if you can hit the note, we can play the song. And I think sometimes that misses the point. Journey would be, I think, one of the more obvious things yeah. that that's done because so few guys can sing in that register. But um, and it's just it's just different. I mean, for a lot of people, it's it's fine because you can sing along the song. But yeah, if you're a real you, fan of the song, the it, difference probably bothers you. Probably. I mean, you're right. I mean, there's there's but there are women who have great grit. I mean, you know, Janice is obviously one. Bonnie Raitt comes to mind as someone who yeah. like she's got the purest voice and yet still has grit in it. She's got an amazing voice. Um, she's the blues. Yeah, yeah, she's, exactly. She's yeah. And uh, when I the the band I was in knockoff with with Kelly Glenn uh, singing, uh, the you know fronting it and singing ninety nine percent of the tunes, ninety eight percent of which were you know originally sung by men. She had grit though, like she could deliver those tunes and and sell you on them like she was the one that wrote them. And and we were doing Zeppelin and Doobie Brothers, you know, all of that stuff where it's like super, Doobie Brothers is hard stuff to sing. China Grove, that's way up there, right? It really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, yeah, but she could she had the ability to to deliver it uh and make it sound good and she was also just a great front person for a band. So that that worked out well, but you're right. It's it's not always. It's not just a given that it's going to be great. So yeah, yeah. How about so? So Monkey Fist was good. It was nice. It was good. How was good. did you have gigs this weekend? I had a I had a triple this weekend. So I oh. had um, I had a coffee house gig Friday with the band, and I had some technical problems, and it was just one of those things where I knew coming in we had a full house. The the band rehearsed beforehand and it went really well, which oh. probably is the kiss of death, right? <laughs> yeah, we so we got there. It's a seven o'clock downbeat. We got there and, and uh, ran a bunch of new songs. Because we, you know, I'm not up there and we don't get a chance to rehearse, so we rehearsed at five o'clock and ran some new songs and all went great. We know our buddy Chris Breen, right? So yeah. he's he's it's it's me on guitar, him on keyboard, piano, um, a bass player and a drummer, and uh, you know Chris is just a a mighty fine player and we're kind of going into some places i mean we, we i gotta say we played tiny dancer and it was just freaking awesome because that's that sing-along gig that i you, do right you you and i and chris have played tiny dancer before yeah but well because we were requested to by someone who couldn't sing tiny dancer uh, someone in a position of of authority uh <laughs> requested that that we play it while they sing it yeah at a macro yeah. all-star band gig yeah and the funny it, thing about that is what yeah. he meant to ask for was private dancer which is a whole different thing <laughs> i had no i you know okay really? no this makes a lot of sense now because every time because that was early on that was like gig two or three for us or something right, right. You know, it was early early on and i uh Anytime that came up in our storytelling, uh, you know, as 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 happens with any band, you get together, especially when it, it's a band that plays once a year. You know, you you have the experience, the shared experiences, and and there's not that many of them when you've only played whatever sixteen, seventeen gigs together. Uh, but anytime that story came up, you or Chris, like the, the it always morphed from Tiny Dancer to Private Dancer, and I never understood. I'm like. These are just two weird songs to put together. I mean, I know the names, but why does this always come up? Now I know. There you go. Now I know. So I'll tell you about my technical difficulties in a bit. On we got Friday, an email about technical difficulties, which I'll, which I'll read yes. in a minute. Yeah, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm going to be outed here. Then Saturday, we went back to Charlie's and um, we had our first gig. So much to talk about there. So, A, we raised our ticket price. Hmm. So we raised it to a $20 cover. Now, that's a pretty healthy cover yeah. for a cover band, right? Yeah. Um, so let's see, where to start? So first of all, this is a room that we've played for years that has had a PA, but not a great PA. We would bring in our mixer, basically connect to their amps and you know pump it yeah. out through their sound system, right? Yeah. Had, they had subs. Not great. We were going to bring our own front of house. It's not that big a club. 
But Bill said, you know, you know, I don't have any help. You know, let's get through one more gig using what it is. So we get there and they had replaced their mediocre front of house speakers. I didn't even know Bose sell these, but you, they were a bunch of Bose columns, not Bose arrays. I mean, they were arrays, but they were these kind of independent columns and they had four of them. And we were like, I don't think this is going to be able to handle what, you know, what we do. And sure enough, it couldn't, you couldn't hear the vocals all night. It was, and you know, they were hard, they fit back and it was just, it was a disaster. So we had some front of house problems. We, so that's one thing. Um, good thing is I wanted to bring one of our songs back from the past. And I told the guys, come ready to do this. And by the way, our sound check will be live. There'll be people in the room while we're doing it. So don't be that guy. And uh, it was a good sound check. The band was prepared and, you know, we knocked out a new song. It was really kind of fun. That's cool. That's a good thing. Yeah. But this ticketed thing is actually worth talking about on a few different levels. And and the band played well. And, you know, we were, we felt pretty good about it. I mean, Nick sang Highway to Hell in the original key, which was pretty freaking awesome. I've done that um, with you guys. Woo, baby. Yeah. Right. I mean, we're not, no, I didn't sing it. Nick Nick sang it. Macro party. At 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 an apple party. Yeah. An apple party. Yeah. 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 Yep. Anyway, here's the ticket story. So for years, we were 10 bucks. Okay. Last time we played, which is about there, about six months ago, we went to 15 bucks and we had an okay draw. Okay. We just had a nice full summer. We had good crowds everywhere. I decided, let's see you know, where we can go and what are other bands charging here? So there are smaller bands, less known bands that were charging 10 bucks. There, this this venue is now booking some tribute bands and who are play a lot less. But sure. They charge a, a, a better uh, fee. So anyway, I kind of said, let's let's see what we can do. So we charged twenty bucks. Okay. And and did advanced sales. Now we didn't have very many advanced sales, and this is the second time we've done advanced sales and not had many advanced sales. But we were seeing a lot of activity on Facebook, a lot of inter- a lot of people commenting on things. I'm coming, you know, things, and the, and everyone in the band was helping, you know, promote it. I felt good that there was a good surge of awareness, you know, of three, four hundred people yep. that we would have a decent night. All right. So, and, and again, you know, we've always said a yes to a Facebook event invite means nothing other than that someone has seen a Facebook event invite. Sure. It really, you know, you can't take a whole lot more than that. Right. But total sum of, of engagement felt pretty good. So I felt pretty good, even yeah. though there weren't very many advanced tickets. I have told myself that the reason there weren't that many advanced tickets were because for 10 years, people have come to see us in this club. They haven't had to buy advanced tickets. They're kind of trained not to need advanced tickets. They know the club. They know, yeah, it's cr- crowded, but I've never not been able to get in. So the need to get them. Yeah. The nice thing that this club does is they let us sell... There's like two couched areas. So if you have a party at 10, you can reserve a couch. There's not much seating in this place. Sure. And then there are a couple of high ta- high top tables, and you, we could sell those in, uh, on a pre-reserved basis. Okay. We sold a couple of the high top tables, but none of the, the couched areas at 10, which was just weird to me because every time we play, there's always a birthday party or something like that. Anyway, didn't sell that many, but I kind of felt like, okay, you know, it's our audience is trained not to pay in advance. Let's see what happens. So... We open. Uh, it's eight thirty downbeat. Hardly anyone we, there. It's this seven. This is what hardly. we were talking about last week. Where I don't want to be in the room while people are coming in. If I'm worried about attendance, this is the, the my go. version of high stakes. So okay, yep, yeah, all right, yep. All right, eight thirty. Not that many. There's maybe sixty people in the room. Maybe okay. sixty people in the room. So I get on mic and I say, "Listen, I don't know where the rest of our crowd is, but I can guarantee you, you guys are going to have a hell of a show tonight." And yep. we played really, really well. You know, sound system aside. It was fun. It was funny. It was silly. It was loose. It was tight. It was, it was a bunch of good things. And the band played really well. The booker for the club comes about, Oh, during our first break. So it's eight 30 to 1230. And we basically play three sets sure. with uh, two half hour breaks. Okay. Uh, the booker comes up to me at our first break and says, you know, about 40 people have come up to the door and heard it was a $20 cover and left Interesting, Um, right? right? And and she goes, you should you should drop the price of fifteen. So now I have a few decisions to make. One is that fair to the people in the room who paid the twenty dollars? 
I mean, there's one thing on my mind. So I, I could answer that question. There's a lot to unpack here, but I'll since we have a, a break, I'll I'll answer that question. I, I could I could go two ways with it. I could say no, they paid twenty, and now you're letting more people in for fifteen. Or I could say, yeah, they got the first set that the other people didn't get. You're just charging less for the rest of the night, and you know, so maybe maybe that's your your I don't know, like it's you know, it could go. There, either those way. are two doors you could go through, and I Correct. went through a third door, which okay. was I don't give away my services. I, my, my, my band, you know, either you want what we have or you don't, I don't discount my band. Oh, right. Nothing wrong with that. Yep. Anyway, that, and that's just the, the, the position I took. And I went up to uh, the person who, who's our friend who was working the door. And she said, yes, about 30 or 40 people did walk away, but they were much younger. They're not your target audience. And everybody who came in clearly had no problem. Nobody has said, what do you mean? $20 or anything like that. Got it. And so, you know, it was kind of the bar hopping crowd that didn't like it. But the point of inflection there is the club wants the drinkers, right? So we get the door, yeah. right? Yeah. The club didn't twist my arm to do it. So to their credit, you know, they, they you know, they clearly made a, made a case for what they wanted to have happen. Sure. And uh, there was no conflict. There's, you know, n- no battling about that. But it isn't kind of an interesting thing. You know, you know, and again, you can walk through many doors. Is $15 better than $0? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, right. Maybe. Right. Yeah. Is, is, is uh, training people that they can set their own price a good thing? No. Um, you know, and, and again, I, of, of all the doors I could walk through, I chose to say, I don't discount my band. And that's fine. Yeah. I mean, no, right. There, there's, that was my choice. Yeah. That's And there's nothing wrong with that. There's, I, we could unpack this even further. There is the whole idea of like value for value, which we musicians call a tip jar, right? Where you let people in for free and let them choose what the value is, you know, your value is to them. Right. Like, and there's nothing wrong with that either, but if you're yeah. going to set a price, it, it's, it doesn't hurt. To, I mean, it might not hurt to stick with it. There, there is a world where what you did it, it makes a lot of sense, and I. So, I, yeah, I have. It's 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 one of many paths, and it's definitely not one of the wrong ones. It's just, like I said, I wouldn't chastise anybody else. You make your Correct. decisions. Correct. Fifteen dollars is you know that's fifteen dollars times forty people. That's not an insignificant amount of money. You know that would have translated into money into the band's pocket. So. Yeah. You know, there's a few different ways to look at the decision. I don't know. What would you have done, Dave? It's hard to say. I don't, I, um, I, it depends on how I felt after, because this conversation is happening after the first set's been played, right? So at that point, I'm probably over whatever concerns I have about this idea of this being a high stakes gig. Right. You know, cause it, cause it is like that, that you literally described my definition from last week of a high stakes gig. So I would have been sweating it a little bit and then we would have played the first set and the people, we would have entertained the people that were there. We would have, you know, taken some of the edge off from ourselves just by playing a set of music. You know, you get into the flow of the evening and then you're like, you know what? It's fine. It's a vibe in here. It's different than, uh, what we've had in the past, it might have been different than we were expecting, but now we've got a vibe going. So, you know what? Let, yeah. Let's stick with it. I, I, I probably would have made the same decision you did. It's hard to say, but I but I can st- like more likely, more than likely, I would have done the same thing. But like, no, you know what? We're we're here now. We might revisit this for the next time, but we're here now. And then especially learning what you found out from the person who is the person who is actually at the door that tells me that keeping the price the same was probably the right move. If you're, if all you're doing is, is sort of pushing away the bar hopping crowd, well, that's fine. And so to finish this, so that, that happened during the first break, second break, the club was actually critically mass full. Like the dance floor was full. It was, you know, you can see some videos on Facebook. I mean, we had a good, right. And then interestingly, when we took our second break, now it's getting, so it's eight, thirty, nine, thirty, ten. So it's about 11. Um, thinned out a little bit, uh, no, thinned out a fair amount as it does. Yep. As it does. And then some really young group uh, that was celebrating a birthday closed out their night with us. And we, you know, we played, uh, to a different type of crowd for that last hour. And you're right as it is, you know, that, that, that's what bar gigs often are is waves of difference. Yeah, you know, different, you're different you're vibes. there all night, but 
yeah, most of the crowd is not. You are playing to a rotating crowd. When you play a three set gig, it's super rare that th- right. one person will be there or one group of people will be there all the way through. You're not playing a concert, right? Now, and this is why I personally really like the the more listening room style events because you you do get yeah. to go on a journey with everyone, the band and the crowd, right? And and I I really like that. I mean, it's you know it's amazing to be able to do that. Not everybody not everybody gets to, but when I can, heck yeah, man, that's what I like. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And there's too few of those rooms uh, of all different types anywhere. Like that's why that coffee house gig is so great for me. It's yeah, it's a listening room, not a not a dancing room. So the the closing thoughts on this Charlie's gig are, um. Interestingly, net net, the band had a average um, payday, less people, but at a higher price. And so, you know, the, the guys are going to walk away with about what they would get ordinarily for a gig like that, sure. because we raised the price. Um, concerningly, our what I would call our regular crowd largely wasn't there. That was, I would say, that was one of the one of the fewest number of people I knew in the room that we played. There were some, but not what we have. And like I said, we've been playing this club for years and years and years. And that thing is kind of keeping me up at night. Like I have an idea about this though. You just could be the price. It could be, it could be, you know, that there are, you know, like we were talking about last week, a lot of bands came out of COVID and there was a lot more going on. So there's a lot of things going on. And, and, you know, so I've asked the band, but I, know, but I have, wait, 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 I have a theory about this. Why you had less people at this gig. This gig was what, September, October 1st or something, right? October 1st. You just finished playing for free at festivals and wineries and all of this all summer long. And it's just now. October 1st, I bet you wait until, you know, no, November 1st, November 15th, you're going to have more of those people out because they haven't seen you in just the past couple of weeks. They're going to come out like, oh, hey, the house rockers, they haven't played in a while, you know, and so maybe the lesson, and I don't know the answer to this, but th- that is a realistic expectation that people would say, well, we don't need to pay to go see the house rockers. We just saw them two weeks ago. But now you get to November 15th, December 15th, you know, well, December 15th is weird because you're in Christmas party season. But, you know, (laughs) you get into that weather where you haven't played those free outdoor gigs in a long time. And I think you might get some of those people to come out like, oh, it's been a while. I want to go see the house rockers. Yeah, we'll relive the summer in the winter, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know. Well, from your lips to God's ears, I mean, that might be true. We've kind of played this playbook for the past many years where we're back about october we go back to the clubs yeah. and we've never had this much of a difference so that i don't know um and we really haven't played in this exact area very much in the past several weeks right okay and okay fair the other dynamic i don't know how, how it affects it but you know i've been selling tickets for this halloween show and those tickets are going really really well wow. i mean it's almost sold out and that's a lot so whether the people but i i see who's buying those tickets and it's not it's not the same people who i usually see you know quoting commenting yeah. on facebook posts or can, coming to the free gig so there's a few different variables that are floating around you know as to as to the reasons of which uh things are going on i think that that town has just got there were there were maybe two venues and now there's about six or seven of which oh. five are free, right? And so I think it might have more to that. I mean, yeah, yeah market this is solution. why you have to stay yeah. humble. As much as much as you know, I want people to love my band. You know, uh, you, you know, money speaks, right? So yeah. twenty was kind of expensive. So I I may lower it, you know, in for the November one. But so we put back there November twelfth. But I, I would know. do I, I would do one more at twenty bucks if it were me. I, I'd take yeah. the experiment because this wasn't a failure, right? This wasn't like a smashing success, but it wasn't a failure. And and like we've just said, there are a lot of variables going on here. I would try one more at at 20 and and don't change that variable. Let the other variables that are variables change. The fact that there's X number of clubs now in the town, that's not going to change either. Right. You know, so fine. But other things will. The timing will. All of this will, you know. I, I would see how that next one goes before you before you um, change the price. Fair enough. As long as the club is on board with that idea. 
I mean, well, they may not be because they may they may yeah. be focusing on the forty people who walked away who could have been. But that's the interesting thing. You get the door. That's it. So they want the to pay you a flat you, rate. Yep. <laughs> well, that's exactly right. Yeah. So do I get the door at what you want me to take at the door? So that's, that's an interesting side conversation. Again, there was no conflict about this. It was sure. a recommendation and, and uh, you know, it, it wasn't a problem. I tend to think that the other part of, of not lowering the price is you're starting to teach people how to treat you. You, you say, you're basically boldly saying, this is what my band is worth. And you can really test and see if it's worth that, right? That's right. Well, you know, the other thing you could do is if the club really wants those people in, have them pay the Delta, mm. have, right? Have the people pay 15, have the club or have the club throw in a, a free drink or something, right? Like, you know, whatever, like that can be made up in other creative ways. If you think it's That's important so to get them in here, then have them pay 15 and, and you tell them that you're going to pay the five because you want them in here. Just make sure they know That's so smart. that, right? I, I Like at least now you're having an honest conversation. Maybe, maybe the club will counter with yet another creative idea and that's okay. Like now, now you're having a conversation. You're working together. Yeah. It'd be interesting to say, you know what? You can sell them. You can sell tickets for 15 and, you know, and pay us the extra five if you want. If yeah. you think that's going to bring, that's so interesting, Dave. That's just kind of mind blowing. I don't think like, again, the complexity of this, and having the club actually execute on, all right, well, we'll sell some tickets to it cheaper. And, you know, we'll, you know, if in the interest of getting more people in, that's fascinating. Or do but, they want to you know, split? Most the, clubs actually execute on that. Like it used to be like not that long ago, says the old guy, uh, that I would play a, a, cl- a gig and I would get 100% of the door plus 15% of the bar. Oh my gosh. That was not uncommon around here. And I mean, if you out there in podcast land are listening to this. If anybody gets a deal like that where they get 100% of the door and a part of the bar, yeah. please wave your hand, send us a note. That I would love to know if that happens anywhere anymore. Oh, I, I, I mean, I, yeah, I same feedback at giggabpodcast.com. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I have this email from our friend Barry to write, uh, uh, to read. Sorry. He wrote it. I don't have to write it. Thank goodness. Uh, Barry says, uh, I'm ho- so happy, always so happy to see live music and doubly so when it's one of you. I had the pleasure of seeing Paul on Friday, the 30th of September with Chris Breen and the rest of the band at Los Gatos Coffee Roasters. I noticed that Paul had some technical issues with his guitar. Curious if you wanted to step through what happened and how he dealt with it. Kudos to Chris for stepping in with some piano whilst addressing it. It shows what professionals professionals you both are. And I, I, I'd love to hear about the details of this, but I, I also, I didn't know, I, like Barry's email was the first I heard of any of this. Uh, and I, I'd been, I'd had this thought sort of swimming in my head, a larger conversation about, you know, bandmates with talents beyond simply playing their instruments. Right. And it can be, as I'm assuming Barry is alluding to things like situational awareness and the, the ability to cover on stage. But also, you know, business skills, sound skills, promotional skills, booking skills, right? The social media stuff, like all of those things contribute to the overall health of your band and in a variety of ways. And it's it's nice when you have people you can lean on when you have to lean on them. So I'd love to hear what happens. All right. Well, like I said, we we got to the gig five o'clock for rehearsal i'm playing a guitar a takamini guitar that i have that is actually my favorite guitar it is the best sounding plugged in acoustic guitar i have the preamp system the takamini has is just wonderful it is the most warm sounding natural sounding you know a lot of a lot of a lot of of uh pickup acoustic guitars have what i would consider unpleasant qualities i i know the takamini is great man i like great as a, as a, I mean, I've played some Takaminis, but I'm not a guitar player, but as someone who's often responsible, speaking of skills beyond simply, you know, bang drum, as the person who's often responsible for sound, especially at acoustic gigs, I find those Takaminis, the way the pickups work, the way they, they sound, the way they just work together, it, they are, it, they are the best in terms of the, you know, the, the like uh, Taylor's pickups, even the new quote unquote new system, the revamped one. They're thin. Yeah. yeah, it's not great. 
It, the to- whatever Takamini's doing is the right way to do things for what most of us wind up doing out out there and playing uh, playing acoustic gigs because it sounds like a, an acoustic guitar. Then it's easy yes. to dial in. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So so I and this guitar has been my main guitar for many years, and then you know it started just kind of crapping out like like oh. a little bit of a fizzy sound and then no sound coming out, and so I just kind of put it away. I've got other guitars I can play, and you know I hadn't thought about it very much. Then I thought about it. I go, I you know, I really love this guitar. I took it in my local guitar shop, and the guy actually is a Takamini dealer. And he took some things apart. He found you know one wire that was pinched, and he, you know a few things. And boom, I had a new guitar, my guitar. You know, it was like it was like your child coming home, and it was awesome. And I played it for like the last month. To, to, it's been wonderful. And I go to this gig, and now it's back to being my number one. And I typically do bring. A backup guitar. Like we've talked about being prepared for everything. Oh, yeah. A- ABP doesn't electric. just, ABP doesn't just mean always be performing, right? You know, the, that's the, right. The boy scout yeah. in me learned and learned a different one uh, earlier in life. So, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, here's what I'm thinking. It's just out of the shop. It's been bulletproof for a month. It was looked at by a pro a month ago. It's been bulletproof. It's all good. We set up and we do a rehearsal for an hour. All good. I have no reason to be concerned at all. About the fourth or fifth song in, it just doesn't sound right. It sounds kind of thin and fizzy, and, and then it cuts out, then it cuts in. And then I pause the show, and yes, my buddy Chris Breen plays a little interlude music while I'm doing this to everybody's delight. And I, uh, oh, the, at first the batteries went out. So that that would be the other thing. Bad Paul, you know, doesn't have batteries, first preamp. Lucky, bass player has some batteries. I put them in, I click it in, sounds good for about 30 seconds. And then uh, again, a, a weird sound comes out of the guitar. And then no sound comes out of the guitar. Uh, and then it kind of comes in and out. And now we're like, oh crap, we're, we're still pretty early in the show. So we take a vocal mic and SM58 and try to point it at it, but that's oh. that's not a really good solution either. No. You know, just trying to get something out of there, right? And it's awful. And um, I felt terrible. Full house. I know better. I didn't have batteries. I didn't bring a backup guitar. You know, we've got a great set list. Got fun new material to play. You know, really hopped up crowd that's ready to have a good time. And I'm here with with uh, with instrument problems. Luckily. One good thing is a guy who used to be in the house rockers for a while, Gypsy Jack Van Breen, my friend. Oh yeah, yeah. Was there was there to listen to me, and uh, he sees me having problems, and he comes up. He says, "Hey, Paul, I got an acoustic in the car. You want it? Oh, sure. Heck yeah. <laughs> and so done. You know. And so I played that for the rest of the night. And uh, so many thanks to Jack Van Breen from Guitar Showcase for for being there to save my butt. And again, the lesson's obvious. You know, you gotta you gotta have a backup. You know, stuff happens, and I was sad because I love this guitar so much, and now it's kind of back to voodoo problems with it. And so, yeah. I may just have to replace the preamp. You know, I I, I I I just I'm already mourning that even if I replace the preamp, it won't sound exactly the same because I love it so much. You know, when it's right with this guitar, but. I don't know. You know, you use stuff, it, you know, it gets wear and tear and, you know, yeah. it's, it's just how it is. Anyway, no, you have to. That's yeah, what yeah. it is. I'd like yeah. to thank our friend Barry for outing me on this. That was very nice <laughs> of him. For, now, now we tell the worldwide audience that uh, Paul wasn't prepared. So it happened. Oh, I mean, I, I, I played that gig. I, I know I talked about it on the show. I think I talked about it on the show. Maybe I didn't. I played that, that fling gig where my snare drum uh, strainer on my, on my black beauty just did not want to stay locked in at all through the through the night, and it was like it was a disaster because um, it kept falling out. And like I had another snare drum in the car, but it was like, do I want to stop the set and go do this? And I I chose not to. In retrospect, I definitely should have. Drummers out there, uh, I did order a, a a replacement strainer that I haven't put on there yet, but I I did some research on this as I was selecting which replacement strainer to buy because damned if I'm going to rely on that thing again. You know, uh, I did I did find other people saying, yeah, yeah, hey, you know, this is the strainer to get so much better. It moves better. And other people are like, yeah, that that's good. And you're not wrong. But a little WD-40 does solve this problem. Just FYI, you know, and it was like, oh, well, let me let me let me try that. And it actually has been fine. So uh, WD-40 does solve that problem, it turns out. And, you know, that's that snare drum is uh, five, six years old now, maybe a little more. And. So the fact that I haven't put any WD-40 on it and it's just, you know, it, lo- it 
things happen. <laughs> you know, so it's like, okay, maybe it's not so bad. So, yeah. It, those technical glitches happen. You got to handle them. And, you know, it's in the moment while it's happening that you're, ha- you know, you're having that frustration. And I know everybody out there is like nodding their heads along with this because we've all dealt with it in one way or another. You're having that frustration. You're distracted from the gig because uh, because of the frustration of dealing with it. But then you're also thinking, okay, this isn't a good show to put on. And you're trying to think, all right, what's the what's the what's the bigger picture look like? At what point do I punt and take five and really try to fix this? Right. right? Like, you, you know, you're having that conversation in your head and and it's it's hard uh, in that moment. And, you know, usually you get close enough. If you've done this enough, you're like, OK, hey, obviously I'm having problems. Uh, you know, we're going to take five here and deal with this and it, it's going to work out. I think I talked uh, earlier this summer, but that happened to Daryl Hall. He was fighting with he couldn't hear his guitar. And after like he kept yelling at his roadie and it, it was unpleasant how terrible he was being to this guy. Um, but, uh, you know, he's an impatient cat, pretty obviously. And, uh, after about three songs of this, he stopped and he says, Hey, do you mind if we take a minute so I can just, I, I'm having trouble with the guitar. Obviously you're all seeing this. Uh, do you mind if we take just, just, you know, a few minutes, we're, we're going to see if we can fix this. And, and, you know, of course the crowd applauds, but, you know, acknowledging that to the crowd was everyone already knew, right? There was, if you, unless you weren't watching the band, you knew that he was not happy, right? And it was clearly something about this guitar amp. And finally, you know, we heard him say to the guy, well, what if we just, he had like a shield over it. And he's like, what if we just remove the shield? And the guy's like, oh, let's try it. And he removed the shield and Daryl played his guitar. And he was like, okay, that's so much, that's how we're going to get through this. And everybody was like, okay, great. And they made it through the gig. That's funny. Yeah. It happens. You hope the audience, the audience isn't wondering when he takes the break, if he's actually going to kill his, his guitar tech. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Him and Brad Paisley are, are two guys that I, I would like to call out for being awful to their techs. Like awful. It, yeah. They, they. I lost a lot of respect for both of those guys seeing them live. Same same place, too. I mean, I see a lot of shows at that place near me. But um, but yeah, b- both of those guys. N- no bueno. You get, there's no reason to treat your your guitar techs like dirt. I mean, it, or your your instrument techs, your anyone. people who help. There's no reason to treat anyone like dirt. That's where it starts. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Correct. Uh, I had this idea, and it seems like maybe you were thinking somewhere along the same lines as me. Uh, I was. I was. We played a, a song on a, pl- a couple of songs on on Friday night that didn't really work, but 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 one of them in particular jumped out at me as a song that I don't know how it would ever work live. Uh, it was a request from, or based on a request from the, the aforementioned gentleman. And it got me to thinking, swimming around, like what songs just don't work live. And then I heard, I, I love this podcast called broken record. It's uh, either, or sometimes both hosted by Rick Rubin and Malcolm Gladwell interviewing people uh, artists. Uh, and, you know, I listened to one recently with David Byrne. He he interviewed Michael Stipe. Rick Rubin has been interviewed by Malcolm Gladwell a few times. And the um, the the one I heard most recently was the end of their first season, which was several years ago. This, this podcast has been around for a long time. It was it it was recorded right after Tom Petty's death, which predates when this podcast even uh, was born, but they just Malcolm Gladwell went to Shangri-La, which is Rick Rubin's studio and recorded this conversation. The two of them had about Rick producing Tom Petty, he started producing him with wildflowers and stuck with him for, I don't know, four or five records. And they actually talked about how that ended and, uh, and all of that, but there was some fascinating stuff. And uh, Jeff Lynn was Tom's prior producer. And Rick said, yeah, you know, I, uh, I, I wanted to take a different approach with uh, with recording Tom Petty's stuff. He's like, I wanted a really organic kind of sounding like a band playing on their best night. Uh, that's what I wanted the recordings to sound like. Whereas what he was coming from with Jeff Lynn was this perfection thing where, and this was the part that stuck out to me for this conversation. He said, where the drummer isn't even playing 
all of the drum set at the same time. There'll be one take where he's just playing kick drum and one take where he's just playing snare and one take where he's just playing hi-hat. And that's when it hit me, Paul. That's why the song Won't Back Down never sounds right Mm. live because it's not a band playing. It's all the parts assembled perfectly. It's a great song, but it's so controlled and reserved and i can actually play a little bit of it now that we've kind of had that in our head if you listen to to just the beginning of it here you'll hear that it 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 is this overly perfect thing right i think yeah right it's just and it stays home there the whole way through i mean it opens up for the the choruses or whatever but uh, or the bridge rather, but it, it's it, you know it's just that very regimented thing, and I've played it live and it's fine. It's a sing along because everyone knows it, but it never feels right. Um, hmm. And so that was that I, was. You know, I, I, listen, uh, I get that. I listen to so much live Petty, and I've heard him play that live so many times. It's probably the live versions that are in my head even more than that, which have that Petty kind of gritty loose you know, gritty band yeah. sound yeah yes and i you know i think peroni is fantastic i think he's just but i love stan lynch as well i that, mean yeah that would have been original drummer that would have been stan lynch right on full moon oh, Fever. okay got it yeah got it yeah but yeah, it, yeah. but not really that's what i'm saying is that's i mean well, yeah te- technically yes stan played all of those drum parts but not as the drum set drummer you know you know what i mean like it's this isn't how Stan Lynch sounded live either. That's how Stan Lynch sounded when when Jeff Lynne was producing it, you know. And and I mean, obviously, Full Moon Fever, that whole record is like spectacularly filled with great hits, but very, you know, it's a different than than like what happened with Wildflowers and and all that stuff. It's a it's a much tighter more controlled feel, which was the idea. So knowing that, knowing that we were going to have this conversation tonight, I actually talked to my bass player, Chris, and I, I was asking about one song. I had this long drive home the other night and I was thinking about I, a song came on and I was like, Oh, that's, that's awesome. That would be great. And, but then I was thinking, those are the songs that are just really hard for cover bands to pull off. They're kind of mid-tempo driving grooves. Yeah. I, I, I'd ask you before, do you still have that thing queued up that you I, play? I do. Do you want the live version or the studio version first? Live version. Live version. All right, here we go. Yeah, that's it. And that's actually even a little bit faster than other versions I've heard. I, I think so that's, that's, yeah, that's pressure. That's li- That's pressure from Billy Joel. That's right. Yeah. Pressure from Billy Joel. So Let, let's, let's actually, just, the one while, that we I heard, have, while we have it in our head, let's listen to the studio cut, which is, I think, like you said, a little slower, a little, Oh yeah. five BPM. A slower. Yeah. 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 So I was asking Chris in my band, you know, why is it that bands can't pull off that groove? And and in thinking about as I'm asking him, you know, I'm thinking to myself, that's one of those things where, you know, we talk about the, you know, standard business, you know, songs that you can do anything to and people will find their way to it. But some of these grooves that have. I always feel like as soon as you don't get a sense that people are going to dance to it or be into it, some edge just eases off of it and it all falls apart, Hmm. whether it just slows down a little bit or whether it's not quite as driving or not quite as tight, something happens and there's just a, there is a sweet spot and you cannot go any slower than the speed spot or it feels like it's dragging. And then the whole band is going crazy, you know, trying to drag a song along, but that groove that you just played, which is, I think it's cool. And I don't know. I mean, do you think that benefits live from a gigantic sound system where, you know, the kick drum is literally pounding through your heart. I mean, is there, is there a reason why it's hard for cover bands to take those kind of grooves? Another one, man eater by Hall and Oates. Right. And I guess that's a, that's a, that's that's a drum machine, right? That's a fast groove. We, we actually played that acoustic the other night and, uh, and it worked brilliantly. It was, uh, that was, that was great. That works. Wasn't that originally a a, a drum machine that's doing that? Like, let's see. Yeah. That doesn't sound like a real drum. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's a drum machine for sure. Yeah. But is it like, let's get to the middle of the tune. Does a, does a real drummer come in? Nope. No, no, no. 
And again, and that's that, also that part works. of the 80s sound, right? That were yeah, but that song, I, I don't know. I, I've done it a couple of times and it works well because it's it's mostly just, you know, that two beat thing on the on the drums and then the bass drives it, right? You know, and and so there's there's no I think songs some songs have a signature sound. I, I, well, I mean, you know, one one that that I queued up here. I'll find it. I know I'll find it. Uh, is uh, is this one right? Freeze frame. Mm. Right. We play this one. It's got to have that right organ sound, right? And you've got to yeah. get those yep, hits yep. tight. It's hard to make that song work live. Uh, yeah, we it, play that, and we have the whole horn section playing that that you know those hits with us, and and it, it, it that rocks. But that's a really good example of their. I think it all goes back to it's hard to play simple, right? If you mess around and are uncomfortable with space in your grooves, and you fill that space, delicate grooves, even if they're deep grooves, fall apart. Well, so I think you you perfectly set up the one song that the other night brought me to this conversation initially and it's this one. Oh yeah right because we played this tune the other night and as maddie started it you know he started playing the chords to it because he the guy as i said earlier requested genesis and he's like oh, phil collins you can't we don't know genesis and he's like oh hang on and he's like, how about some gabriel and so i thought okay we'll we'll play we've sort of faked through a version of sledgehammer in the past and that's that works uh, we've made it work, but that's not what I was hearing out of his guitar. I'm like, what is this? He's like, oh, it's in your eyes. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. And you know, in, in five seconds or less, I have to figure out how to like adapt this weird Manu Kache part, right. To, uh, to, to playing on the, the cajon, the pitch slap that I'm, I'm wearing. I'm like, okay, well, this is interesting, but it's got that. You know, it's that that sort of off time uh, angular. Let's see if I can find it. Uh, let's see that. Sounds very gad like. It's very gad like. Yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah, it's a manukache part. It's it's like yeah, it's that very sort of open thing. And I'm like, I don't know, man. But you know, one thing that is common to all of these songs well maybe except freeze frame and man eater so they're but but those we've we've each said we've been able to make work not both of us but one each uh <laughs> it, it, the rest of them are all these mid-tempo tunes and they've got to be kept like the magic to if you speed that song up in your eyes it's not going to work right you not speed you speed up won't back down what, what i don't even know what song that would be uh, you know, and, and the same with pressure, you know, it's gotta be that laid back group. I remember seeing Billy Joel play pressure and I was like riveted by his bass player during that song mm -hmm. that, because that held that he held that groove together so perfectly. And I was impressed. I'm like, when they started it, I'm like, oh, really? Okay. Like, let's see how this goes. <laughs> Guy had the same reservation that, you know, you were talking about, but it was like, oh no, like this, this is a pro band. They it, maybe, maybe your point is right. That when you notice that it's this, you know, mid tempo things tend not to hold. If you're playing a dance gig, mid tempo is, you know, the kiss of death usually, right. unless Clear it's, and yeah, unless it's a song that just like, like, you know, is like a buckle polisher, but that's a more of a slow tempo, like a My Girl or something like that. You know, that's not mid tempo. That's slow, I would call Dancers it. Dancers know what to do with My Girl. Dancers right? know what to do. They don't know what to do with pressure or in your eyes. Like, you know, these are, we danced to that song in high school if you're of a certain age and, you know, you didn't really dance. That was the song where you just got close, you know, and, and sort of shuffled around a little because it's a weird friggin' tune. Peter Gabriel's, all of his tunes are weird friggin' tunes. They just, yeah. some of them just, happen to become radio hits so we call them pop songs but none of them are pop songs like they just they just got lumped in because he made cool videos and he was made by mtv right like he was made a pop artist by mtv he was already a very successful artist oh, yeah. yeah 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 but um but he he was moved into pop because of his cool videos and that's great like but you know his songs are all weird uh and they're hard to play yeah. Well, Chris and I had this conversation and, you know, what we came to is that easy is hard. 
you know, yeah. taking a very simple groove and trusting it and leaving it alone. Don't put anything in the space that's not supposed to be there. He threw out, uh, let me see, Ain't Nobody by Chaka Khan is another one. There's a lot of space, a drum machine groove originally that a lot of times, you know, bands will overplay it when they try to cover it. You huh. play that one? Uh, yeah, I got it right here. Hang on. Let's see. Uh, let me jump out to the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. How, who, who's playing that baseline to drive that thing? Right. Like that's, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, the real drummer is playing only cymbals on that. Yeah. 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 Oh, is that right? Really? So it's just, Oh, I had no idea. That makes sense. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 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 Oh, huh. Huh. yeah. Anyway, again, this I'll put this bit, out. well, I mean, here, here's Podcast another, land. here's another one. I've seen bands butcher this song. And it's because there are two drummers on it. Uh, Steve Jordan uh, played over the other drum part. And that's why this groove works. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's two drum sets being played. It's it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't hear it because it's so because each part is relatively simple. But there's those ghost notes and like it, that's what drives that thing. Plus it's, it's a fantastic lyric. Like, uh, you know, yep. love or hate the song. We all know you all love it. I love it too, but like, it's it. a great story. How can you like, it's, it's fantastic. It's got a perfect little twist. Sorry. I don't mean to spoil anything. You know, I, <laughs> <sighs> anyway. All right. Yeah. So put it out there to podcast and what, what that's are your also mid tempo song hits? Yeah. What, yeah. You know, what, what do you do? And was it good right out of the bat or did you have to like have the courage of your convictions to stick with it and, uh, and uh, you know, say, nope, this song can work. We got to, we got to stick with it. And yeah, it's, it's cool. I don't know. Yeah. Feedback at giggabpodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. This is fun stuff. I like this episode, man. I, I you know, I, I realize that here I am, you know, breaking my arm, congratulating myself, but this was a fun one to do. I don't, I don't mean to say it was, I hope it was good for you folks. It was really fun like for me. It. Yeah. Yeah. Got yeah. a little different. Hopefully we don't get yelled at for, you know, putting little snippets of songs. in. if we do, you know what? We're podcasters. Forgiveness is better than permission. So way better, way better, way better. YouTube, come and get it. All right. Uh, I shouldn't be tempting the gods like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is that it? Are we done? Did we get any, anything else? That's it. All right, folks. Thanks for hanging out with us. I think we said it once in the show, but I'm forgetting. What What is that whole thing we say, Paul? Always be performing. Right. Always. Even when you're doing a podcast. Come and get us, YouTube! <laughs>